and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name is Lloyd Grolleman and I am the Aussie Pastor and we are coming to you live from our studios in beautiful North West Sydney. Hope you are having a fabulous week, hope you're having a safe week and I hope God is blessing you. Hunty, G'day, mate. welcome to our program today. Thanks bud, great to be here. Hey, I, I want to ask you a few more questions Uh-oh. this week, see if our listeners can get to know you just a little better. What does our very world famous, which you are, world famous producer, director, radio tech boy, what do you do for interests? Have you got any hobbies? Oh my goodness, yes. So I like travel, I like fishing, I like boating, I like my Harley Davidson. I've never seen I you like fishing. I like my Jeep. I've taken you fishing. In fact, I taught you to fish last time we were in a boat. Did we catch anything? Um, not, not a thing. No. Not a thing. It's a bit disgraceful. Actually, I don't like fishing. Can you get the fish out and kill it? Uh, or do you take it off the hook and let it go? I take it off the hook. Depends who's with me. I don't eat fish myself, but if I'm with people that want to eat it, I'm happy to take it, oh, take it with so me. So all you animal liberationists out there, rise <laughs> up. <laughs> okay, so, so, so boating, fishing. Camping, travel, four-wheel driving. You, I, I know four-wheel driving is close to your heart. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. What do you drive? I drive a Jeep, the finest oh. four-wheel drive, the original four-wheel drive. How? Um, 1941. What, your car's a 1941? That's when Jeep started four-wheel drive. Oh, what's yours? One's a Jeep. What year? Uh, 14, 2014. Any good? It's a grandpa Jeep, but I love it. Why, when I wanted to buy a Jeep, did you say no? Because, oh, are you allowed to because, say that on radio? Because... If, you, if you're going to own a Jeep, you have to be a serious four-wheel driver. I don't think you're up to the standard. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is as good an answer as you've ever given. The bottom line is I don't want to go Look, you don't need diff locks, you don't need air suspension, you don't need crawler gears, you don't need half the things that my Jeep has on it. No. no. But I would have liked it. You said don't buy it because it's not reliable. You've got to be a mechanic like you to keep the thing going. No one's been fine. It's got nearly 200,000 on it. It's only had a... Has your car got, got almost 200,000 Ks on it? 170, I think. You've done a lot of Ks on that. Yeah. What's your favourite four-wheel drive track in oh, Australia? Oh, thank you for asking. Look, the best man venture, the best Aussie adventure in the country is to go to the Cape on the old Telegraph track. How many times have you done that? Heaps. So much to see. Plus Can, do you know how many times you've done that? Oh, half a dozen or more. What about around Sydney? If if you want to go four driving around here, where there do you are go? Some great day trips from Sydney. There's Lost City up near Lithgow. There's um, Weenie Creek. If you want to head up north towards Kurumbong, Morissette. There's the Wadigans. We and you want to go south down to Barrel. There's tons of great places to four wheel drive. Is it true? Or uh, I'm asking this. You know, I'm not sure. Is it true that national parks are closing a lot of these four wheel drive tracks up? There's a two edged sword there because when they close the tracks and the four wheel drivers stop using them. They overgrow. Yeah. And then we have bushfire season and the fire brigade can't get through. So you're saying they should, they really shouldn't close? I think it's ridiculous that we pour tons and tons of concrete all over the place and build shopping centres and we don't mind that that damages the environment by putting concrete and power hungry air conditioners in shopping centres, but oh, heaven forbid a four wheel drive tyre should roll over the dirt. Okay, okay. I think we're... we're <laughs> I'm away. <laughs> it's rat time. Actually, I did find it a bit discouraging when we went to Fraser Island, you and me last time. We got halfway up and we got blocked off. We couldn't go any further. Yeah, well, a lot of people up there this Stupid things. They abuse the environment. I, I support the closing of that. 
Oh. These people who are not driving where they're supposed to, they're eroding the sand, they're wrecking the island. What's the best four-wheel drive place that a normal car can't get into that you've ever been to? Oh, probably Fraser Island, I guess. It's just spectacular. Yeah. And it's yeah. only sand. Most, most even soft riders will get through there, but... Um, gone are the days where you could take a Ford Falcon to Fraser Island. I know we did it in the 80s, but you can't now. We took a two-wheel drive F100 up there once. Yeah, many people do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but today it's not recommended. Yeah. So so is this four-wheel driving going to continue deep into your life? Oh, yeah, I love seeing Australia. In fact, uh, we're making plans as we speak to go on a filming trip across the centre of Australia. We'd like to. We'd like to buy two. Tell, them, tell the listeners what Actually, we'd yeah, like. Actually, we, we have a dream. That when we it become, is only a dream. That when we become useless of what we're doing now, we'll get a couple of small off-road caravans and we'll trek around this country and we'll stop every, every few kilometres and we'll make an interesting video that's spiritual and that encourages focused. people to follow Jesus. Yeah. In fact, yeah. it's interesting that when we are out four-wheel driving, we do do a fair bit of... T- hey, where can you go and watch our television? You can go to findjesus.tv or you can go to aussiepastor.com or you can go to our Facebook page. And, and we are actually about to start a brand new series for Channel 7. Yeah, we it's are. Be, I think it's going on Channel 7 too. Yes. Probably go on about August. Yes. Because we've been a bit slow getting going. 8.30 Sunday morning. 8.30 Sunday morning, mm. Channel 7 too. Mm. And a lot of the, the, the filming that we do comes from these trips we go on together. And when we go, we are the cheapest. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We are the cheapest film crew in Australia. That's because right. when we go on these sorts of trips... Yep. Hunty snores. Oh. Man, that guy sounds like a chainsaw. <laughs> we don't sleep in the same room. We don't even camp in the we're same in the room. room. We're in our swags. We're out there. We're under the yeah. stars. We're in the swags and Hunty's on one side of the car and I'm on the other. That's it. Because we don't like to listen to each or other. Or see each other. <laughs> Snoring. <laughs> Hey, Hunty, it's good, yeah. to, good to have you on the program it's good today. To be on the program, I love this. We've got a good mate of yours. Yeah, we do. And uh, yours. Coming on to, yeah, he yeah. is. He is. I, I actually almost grew up with this. And I know well. a bit of his story, but it's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Nick Cross, yep. he's actually the youth leader for the Seventh day Adventist Church for the entire South Pacific. Correct. But it's not. The position he holds, it's what he has done yes. in the last few years. Yes. I want to go there because it's very exciting stuff. Can't wait. Some new songs. Yeah, we do. And some great Bible study. Of course. And some pretty warm discussion. So we're glad you're here. We are. Big, big welcome to you. Stay with us for the next couple of hours. As I always say, it's going to go like like that. Gone in an instant. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hey, at the beginning of our radio program, Hunty, I always like to look at the news a bit. You know why I like to look at the news? Yep. What do you think? Because you're a news hound. Yeah, I am a news hound. That is so <laughs> right. I, I Every single morning I get up and I read the news from at least four different sites. Sydney Morning Herald, News, which is Murdoch, ABC, and then the Daily News, which is, I think that comes out of London, but they have an, an Australian edition, all online. They're all free except for the Sydney Morning Herald. So, so what do you do? Do you check your stocks and shares? And Mate, I got, I haven't, <laughs> if I've got a stock or a share, I don't, maybe in my, uh, what do they call it? Your Dreams. super. Dreams I might free. have something in my super there, but even then I don't know, no. I, I like to ch- check the news out because I think in the news, it gives me just a little bit of, bit of a jolt. 
yes. on where we are in yeah, life. Me it too. keeps me keen. I, I understand where we are in the context of history, mm. of prophecy, and it makes me, it helps me to understand that, that as I see these signs, as I read the news, and I am awake. I don't go to sleep. Mm. I'm not getting lethargic on this. It reminds me that Jesus, I believe this, Jesus will be here soon. I, and I see it fueling your, your sermons and your presentations. Yeah, it does too, a which bit. is great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mr. McAfee. Mm-hmm. Tell me about who that is. McAfee, but yes. Yeah. Is that how do you say it? McAfee. 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 I've always said McAfee. Mm. So it's McAfee. McAfee. Yeah, yeah. another uh, name very that smart, I have A very, very smart butchered. man. Tell me a little bit about him. Well, he <clears throat> he's one of a, a few guys who started companies who are solely, um, solely purposed to provide antivirus software for PCs. Actually, if you if you have a Apple, you don't need him. No, Apple looks after itself. There's there's two big ones. Who are they? Uh, Semantic, McAfee. There's, there's, there's quite a few actually. Oh, is there? Yeah. I, I thought there's only two or three really big ones. Well, it doesn't really matter because they're losing the battle. There's more viruses being built daily now than than any of these companies can keep up with. So John McAfee, he's had his, did I say that right? McAfee. McAfee. I'm not going to get this right. <laughs> he's 75 years old. Let me tell you. So so he developed one of the biggest anti, what do you call it, virus. Anti, yeah, antivirus, yep. Software companies in the world. Yes. Primarily this antivirus is to protect your computer from malware. Did I say that correct, right? Correct, correct. There are yeah. people who would like to harvest all of your passwords, your bank account details, and all your contacts, they like to harvest that for nefarious purposes. Okay, so, and if you don't have an Apple, this is why you and I work from Apple, actually. Correct, correct. If you don't have an Apple, you do need this antivirus software, or your computer's going to break down and stop working within what? And Not even a year. Yeah. And, and worse, you have your identity stolen, it can be a life-altering event you cannot recover from. So you actually do need this antivirus software, but the problem is it doesn't keep up with the viruses. Correct. So go and buy an Apple? Always buy an Apple. <laughs> There'll be, we'll have listeners oh out there screaming. <laughs> we'll start to get some feedback now. <laughs> oh, dear. Hey, um, he died. He committed suicide. Now, if you ever get yourself into a place of depression, I, I, and you're our listeners, and you matter to us a whole lot, you need to ring Lifeline 131114. Yep. Give us that number again, Hunter. 131114. One four. It really matters. One three one 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 four. Thirteen eleven fourteen. Yeah. Do not let that go. But this guy last night committed suicide. Now this is what's amazing. He was mega mega rich, hunty. Yep. But he had the American tax office after him. Indeed. So you know what he did? He went and bought this huge luxury yacht. Wow. He had ten people working on that yacht, and he spent. The last few years on the run from the American government who owed, who he owed a lot of tax to apparently. But it wasn't the only thing of his life. This guy lived a life of debauchery and pleasure with no boundaries. Really? And he gets to 75 years of age and he got arrested and he was in Spain. And there was a court case and just the other day, so you're talking 24, 48 hours ago, the American government won the extradition court case and he had to go back to America to face the music for his tax avoidance, etc. So he lost the good life, or what he would call a, the good life. It was actually, what a life of pleasure this guy led. Mm. He actually had married a woman who was a prostitute that he'd come across in, the, uh, in her business. And so this guy is living... 
completely and totally for himself, mega rich, got everything a man could want, and yet at 75, with everything, he commits suicide, mm-hmm. probably because he didn't want to go to jail for 100 years. You know, the Americans don't like tax avoidance. They don't. But it just got me thinking, what does, it, what does the Bible say? What does it profit a man yep. if you gain the whole world, the world and lose your soul? Yeah. Very sad. Another news item I was looking at is AstraZeneca. Yep. They're saying that by October, AstraZeneca will disappear completely out of Australia. That's right. Now, I don't want to get our listeners offside, and I know how easy it is with the COVID thing to oh, get yes. them offside. I mean, we've got, yes. I've got friends, I've got family who don't think COVID's real. I've got friends who've had their injection who've posted up. Um, I still haven't had my chip implanted yet. <laughs> <laughs> Look, AstraZeneca is literally, it's a good drug. Yes, if you have a look at the reality of what is going down on the ground, only I think we've done more than 4 million Jeff. vaccinations here in Australia with AstraZeneca. Yep. Of those 4 million, two yes. have ended fatally. Yes. Now, if you know the history of vaccinations, no vaccination is 100% perfect, hunty. A there regular be, flu vaccine each year kills more people. There, there, there can be serious ramifications from the flu vaccine, from yep. the tetanus vaccine, from yep. the polio vaccine, from the tuberculosis, yep. the whooping cough. They have not created a vaccine that has not had some serious ramifications for a very small minority. That's right. But you run the maths. Two people have died, and one of them actually was an Adventist, belonged to our mm, church. So it does, mm. yeah, it hits home. It matters. And those two people matter a whole lot. Yeah. The reality is two people died with four million jabs. Yes. Do you know how many die from blood clots? Because that's what the AstraZeneca has been causing. Caused with these two people who died. Mm. Do you know how many die from Astra, uh, from, from COVID-19 blood clots? From COVID-19, which gives you blood clots? Oh. Elderly people, it's between two and four people every hundred. Did you? Wow. Did you know that if you catch COVID... In Australia today, one in a hundred die. But it increases as you get older. Right. And so that's right across the line. Right. You get older, it it creeps up between two and four people per hundred. Now, AstraZeneca is for people 50 and now 60 plus. 60 plus, yeah. So run the maths. Two in four million Mm. or two to four hundred. Say it was four, which is a worse way. I had my my vaccination. It's a no brainer for me. Yeah. If the world had no other vaccine other than AstraZeneca, Everyone would be very happy and very blessed. Yeah. And and I think there's a crazy gene in the world now, Hunty, where, and this is how I see it. Now, look, I know some of our listeners aren't going to like this, but I've always been a pastor. I've always been a man who tries to deal with the truth. Um, This is how I see what's happened with COVID. You've got people who have um, um, got very sick, they reckon over 10 million people have died so far, hunty, of COVID. Wow. Did it come out of a lab in China? I don't care. It, it, it's swept the world. It's yep. real and it's killing. Look, one of the pastors who used to work with me, her father-in-law, you know the story, hunty. She died of COVID. A number of pastors in New York who belong to our church have died of COVID. We know people mm. who have died of COVID. This thing is real. Yep. But, but uh, uh, what amazes me is this terrible disease comes to the planet 
God inspires these scientists. They are the modern-day heroes. It's not Batman and the Marvel comic guys, mm-hmm. Superman and the rest. They're not the heroes. These scientists are our heroes. They develop these vaccines, and then I believe the devil gets in to the keyboard warriors who have no scientific or medical background, stirs them up, and so the very thing that can save us, yep. in this case AstraZeneca, is run out of town. Yep. And that's a tragedy. Yep. That's a tragedy. Because we're going to keep having COVID-19 outbreaks in Australia. We're struggling to get to Pfizer. It's not going to be easy. And yet by October, AstraZeneca, one of the most effective vaccines on the planet. Used by many countries around the world successfully. Yeah, has run out of town. Yep. And so, you know, when I see stories like uh, Mr. How do you say? McAfee. McAfee. Mm. John McAfee. When I see what's going on with AstraZeneca and how people's ears are itching for mm. what they hear rather yep. than dealing in the truth. Yep. You know what I think? Jesus is coming soon. For sure. And we need to look up. Yep. Because everything on this planet is going crazy. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This is another new song for me, Hunty. I, I, I don't know this one real well, but I liked it. David Bilbra, and he's singing May My Life. May my life declare the honour of your name. Reveal the heart of Christ who came to light the darkest place with sacrificial love.
today. He's a friend of mine from a way, way back. Welcome, Nick. Hey, thank you, Lloyd. It's great to be uh, chatting with you once again. And yes, we've we've known each other for many years now. Yeah, I think uh, almost as long as we've been around, it seems anyway. Hey, Nick, you do come from a great spot in Australia. In fact, one of the best. Tell us about that. Well, thanks, Lloyd. We both come from Brisbane and uh, Queensland. We both see ourselves probably as Queenslanders, and that's a great thing to have in common. Even though that uh, last uh, Origin game was a disaster, we we just won't say too much about that. Actually, the Origin series, this full full stop this year has been a disaster, so... No, we won't talk about the first one or the second one or the third one this time. <laughs> but you know what? We will, we're happy to talk about history and how good we've been in history. And the wheel turns, Nick, you know that, don't you? We know that. And, and you see the young guys coming through and they're brave young boys and they step to the plate and they do their best. And we just got to hope that the best team will win in the future. <laughs> You got it. I'm just waiting for Hunty to uh, talk here. He's uh, he's on. He's he walks with the dark side when it comes to the football. Hey, <laughs> you, oh, um, that's what. Now you are a Brisbane boy, but I remember. I remember you as a young bloke. One of the overwhelming images in my mind is you are actually, although you are a Brisbane guy and you come from the north side, I was more yep. from the south. You were you were always at the beach. Is that right? Mate, I love the beach still today. Um, we've, any excuse to go to the beach is a good one. I've been surfing most of my life, uh, surfing, scuba diving, snorkeling, anything to do with the ocean, mate. That's my passion. Do you still surf now? Yeah, I've got a 9-1 board. I was going to say, at your age, you'd want to be on a, a mall, wouldn't you? They're, they're much more forgiving, trust me. <laughs> do you ever surf the short board anymore or not? No go. Not really. I mean, if I if I really stepped into it and got back into it, you know, a couple of days a week, I'd probably graduate back. But, you know, longboard riding is actually a very nice, enjoyable way to spend a couple of hours. I don't really have any desire to be thrashing around through the waves. Yeah, actually, there's, there's not much better, is there, than to be out in the surf at sunrise as the sun's coming up, the water is clear, you've got a nice three-foot swell coming through, right-hander for me. Are you a right or a left I'm a goofy, so lefties are good for me, but I can do rights as well. I don't really mind either way. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's actually really, really good experience. I stopped surfing a long time ago. I shouldn't have. Hey, tell me, Nick, do you worry about those big white pointers out there these days? Because they seem to be out there in the surf a lot more than they used to be when we were young. Well, you know the rules, Lloyd. You always make sure there's one person out further. (laughs) That's right. Have Have you ever seen a shark out there, Nick? 
I was I was out surfing at Bells once. Not sorry, not Bells at uh, up near Moonies, and yep. everybody suddenly went in. <laughs> and, and then I caught a wave and then I looked towards the beach and everybody was waving their arms saying, get in, get in. And I realized that uh, there was a Noah out there somewhere. Yeah. I never saw him, but he was apparently nearby. So I, I took off and got into the beach as quickly as I could. So it is a bit, it's a bit scary when you think you are out there with a shark. But most of the time, you know, like the odds of you actually getting bitten by a shark are about one in a million, to be honest. Yeah, it is, but it, it, it was always in my mind. But it never used to spoil it. You kind of get out there and you're in the water and you tend to forget and, about all those things. But um, I actually, I have a principle that I pray before I go for a wave. Yeah. Um, I've been doing that ever since I was a teenager and uh, it's, you know, I just think it's a good practice. Um, actually, funny you say that, I've got a couple of mates, you know them, up uh, Byron Bay, um, Kingscliff Way. And I wouldn't say that they are always prayers, but in the last couple of years, I was talking to one of them about the problem with the great white sharks or the tigers, whatever that's causing havoc out there. I think sometimes it's those uh, bull sharks too. But he reckons that every time they go out now, they pray and they do feel it. They do sense that things aren't as they used to be out there. Well, I think, you know, I don't exactly know why, but there seems to be more attacks now than there was probably 20 or 30 years ago. Um, And I guess... For me, like when I go surfing, for me it's a kind of a spiritual experience as well. It's partly to get out there and just enjoy the ocean and enjoy God's creation. So for me, when I go out there, I'm out there with God, and that's the way I sort of see surfing. And I'm not saying that's an insurance policy to not get bitten by a shark, but I do believe that God does put his arms around us. Oh, look, I think any of us who have surfed a long time would be surprised how much contact we've actually come into with sharks through the years. I mean, they're out there. That's where they live. We don't see them. They're there, um, and, and I, I was just stirring you up a bit about the shark thing, really, but it, it, it is there, and, and it does seem to be becoming a bit more apparent. Now, beach was important to you, but so was God. Um, as a young fellow, when and how did you meet Jesus? Yeah, well, I mean, I grew up in the Adventist church, Lord. We, mm. you know, going to church with family, but as we all know, you know, just because you go to church, it doesn't mean that you have given your life to Jesus. And mm. I actually was walking away from the church in my teens as a carpenter's apprentice in Brisbane. I went to Eagle Farm Tech College and met up with a lot of wild young apprentices who were out there doing their own thing. And I started going to parties with them. They had cars. I had no license. And uh, and I ended up kind of drifting away from, from the church. Mm. But then when I was 19, um, we kind of had a bit of a, I guess you'd say, a crisis when uh, my parents found some highly valuable illegal herbs growing on the roof of their house and and had a major confrontation with me. Uh, My father really went went to town on a Sunday night and basically gave me a blast and told me I wasn't his son, told me to get out of the house. Mm. Uh, the next morning I was supposed to go to work with him. He was my boss as a carpenter. And uh, so I went up to his bedroom and, and sat there for 10 minutes in silence waiting for him to to give his verdict. Was he legit? Did I have to leave the house or was I going to work? And eventually he looked at me and said, Nick, you made a big mistake. I've, I've made some big mistakes myself just like Jesus forgave Peter when he denied him three times. I'll forgive you for what you've done and I'll never mention it again. And to Dad's credit, he never mentioned it ever again. And I've never stopped telling people that story ever since because that's when I saw the heart of God. 
Wow. And I realize that God loves messed up young boys. He loves uh, people that are off the rails and he embraces us when he can, when we're ready to listen. And that's how my life turned around. That's where I met Jesus from my father. That's fantastic. And not a story a lot of young people can tell either, to have a dad like that who really showed you Jesus and brought you to him. Did your dad know that story, that it was his influence in this particular area that helped you to see Jesus? We, we hardly ever talked about it again, which is really weird. But he knew that I went to college to do theology and he knew that i became a pastor. He was very proud of me. Yeah. We often talked about carpentry. He told me that I got out at the right time. Yeah. He told me it's a young man's game. Um, so Dad was actually quite happy that I left, even though I was the one who was supposed to take over the Cross Brothers building company. But yeah. he knew that I was doing God's work, so he was okay with it. Tell us about that calling to be a pastor. Well, you know, it, it was an eventual thing, Lloyd, because what I really wanted to do was work with young people who were on drugs, because yeah. uh, that's kind of what I understood. Mm. And my burden was to help them just clean their act up and, and get back get back into a normal way of life. So when I went to Avondale, I mainly went so that I could learn more about the Bible because for me the Bible is a pivotal book mm. in our faith journey and so I just wanted to learn about the Bible so I could go and help young people. But in, mm. when I got to my fourth year, when you graduate, people were saying to me, Nick, put your name on the list, you know, you, you'd make a good pastor. And mm. that wasn't really what I originally went to college for, but... But I did put my name on the list, and I was given an opportunity to work to serve God in Gundawindi, mm. my first calling. I remember that. And I loved it out there, and I've loved doing ministry ever since. So I don't have a problem. I'm, I'm very glad that I ended up doing pastoral ministry. How long ago did you graduate? That was 1986. That's scary. You've actually been <laughs> in the work. You've been working for the Lord as a pastor for 35 years. Yeah. Well, you know, it's gone fairly fast, Lloyd. Life goes fast, mate. It doesn't seem like that long ago, but I can honestly say that God has looked after me the whole way. You've been a church pastor all your life? How did that unfold for you? Well, you know, my first calling was a small church in Gundawindi in Queensland, four hours west of Brisbane. I was still single. I was dating my girlfriend. She was in Brisbane. Every second weekend, I'd duck off down to Brisbane after church and um, spend a couple of days down there and then drive back to Gundy. But Is this, a girl, is this was, the girl you married? I married her. We've been married now for 33 years. I hope it's right. I hope, I hope it's 33, but yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, how many hours, just, just to give our listeners an idea, how many hours from Gundawindi to Brisbane? About four hours. Okay, depends, that's not too bad. Depends on the road and it depends uh, on the car you're driving to. Yeah, I hope you, were you driving a good car back then? It was the XP Falcon hardback, mate, the 302. Oh, Do you remember yeah, it, the yes, orange one? Yes, Nothing wrong with that car, mate. That would <laughs> go really well on those long-distance roads. So so you, you end up in Gundawindi, you're married. Um, back to that question, past, church pastor all your life? Uh, eight years in local churches, Lloyd, yeah. and then, but I've always had a passion for young people, and I was very happy to stay in local churches because I love doing ministry yeah. to, to people, but uh, I was called into the youth department um, in 1995. And Tell us what, a, for our listeners, they might not know what a youth department is. Can you just unpack that for us a little? So if you, we in the church we have different departments, and the youth department really looks after young people from the ages of four years old in the Adventurer Club from four to nine-year-olds, then through another club called Pathfindering, which is from 10 to 15-year-olds, 
and then senior youth is 16 to 30 uh, year old. So basically we facilitate ministry programs and resourcing for the young people of our church. So you were called out of the local church into a department that looked after the youth for an entire state or how does that work? So, yeah, we had a territory uh, that was South Queensland, which okay. was from the border through to Rockhampton in Queensland. Um, and we, I did that for six years, worked with uh, some really great you, you, young people and good yeah. youth leaders and pathfinder leaders. But then I was called to New Zealand in the year 2001 yeah. to go down and work in our youth team there. You remember those days because you were there before me. Actually, um, you and I have spent a bit of time either following each other or we, we started youth work together. Do you remember that? Can you remember way back then when we used to do the camp meetings, the teens? Yeah, together? That was like we were in the shed together. That was fantastic fun. Yeah, we did. We had a lot of fun and then we both went into youth work. I was pretty short-lived. I think I did, well, I did six years in the regional stuff and then only four years at the conference. But you went into this conference youth work, in other words, looking after youth for state. Well, the best way we can say it for our listeners is is basically for a state or in Queensland, half a state. You go to New Zealand, that was not... You weren't just looking after New Zealand there, were you? No, we actually were given a very interesting role to play, which was five territories, North New Zealand, South New Zealand, French Polynesia, the Cook Islands and New Caledonia, so two French-speaking territories, which was really an interesting opportunity, fabulous opportunity for me to be able to get the heart of Christianity in the Pacific. I bet, it was beautiful. I bet that was really hard going out to Tahiti. Tahiti is a tough place to work, Lloyd, trust me. See, there's pressing needs in Tahiti, we always used to say. Hey, did you get some, <laughs> I know this is off track a bit, but did you get some good surf breaks out there in those islands? There's some beautiful surf out there. In fact, a very famous wave that's on the world circuit, it's called Tiapu. That's right. But, mate, you don't want to surf that wave unless you really know what you're doing because you can kill you. Well, it's got that it's reef, hasn't it? Oh, mate, it's, it's a beautiful wave. I've been out there in a boat yep. watching it, yep. but unless you really have your heart in your mouth, mate, you don't want to surf that wave. It's, it's a magnificent wave, but dangerous, yeah. Is, it's, a left, it's a left-hander, isn't it? Yes. I it's a so. left-hander. Yeah. You make the drop and you make the wave, you're a hero. Is it is it true that there's a reef just beneath it or is that another break? No, that is true. There's a reef literally a couple of feet underneath it. And when you go down with that lip, mate, you are ground into the coral. And I've seen guys come out of there with their backs just like shreds. So, yeah, it's not for the faint-hearted. Yeah, yeah. I know we're off track here, but we're allowed to do this, Nick. Have you you actually surfed some big waves, though, even if it wasn't out there? I've surfed big waves in Queensland, also at Forest Beach here on the Central Coast, just near Sydney. Uh, Forrester's Beach has one of the top ten big waves in Australia, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So Actually, yeah, I've surfed big waves here, eight, nine, ten foot. Um, big fun, dangerous, but yeah, not not with a good wave. Oh yeah, it's and beautiful. you make it through. It's just, there's just no better feeling. Actually, making me feel like going surfing again. Um, you, you feel like you've conquered the world, mate. <laughs> I, I think I could say your home break, which is Noosa, has one of the best when it's going off. Has one of the best breaks in Australia because it's so long, isn't it? It's a long ride if it's going off. 
Oh, Noosa National Park, there's some beautiful points there, granite, tea tree, Little Cove and First Point. They're actually longboard waves, Lloyd. Yeah. That's a, it's a fantastic longboard yeah, it wave. Is. It is. I, I know that. In fact, I, I, be, I used to go up there a bit surfing and I, I used to be a bit disappointed in the size of the break up there. And I would imagine with a longboard it would be really good. Hey, I, I, I've diverged back to, um, so, so you're looking after the youth for the Pacific. Did you enjoy that? Look, it's been a fantastic opportunity, Lloyd. We, we, I supervise youth ministry now for 17 countries. Okay, so, so, so you, you moved from New Zealand, did you? You didn't stay there. So I moved from New Zealand, came back to Sydney to okay. work at our church headquarters yep. uh, in 2006. I was yep. in New Zealand for five years. Yep. And then since then, basically looking after a great youth team of about 35 youth directors yep. who work with me, and we basically supervise youth ministry from French Polynesia, Tahiti, all the way through to Perth, yep. and in Bacargill in the south, right through to Kiribati, just near the equator in the north. So it's an amazing territory. Some of the most beautiful countries in the world are in the Pacific. How, so how that's, many, that's a playground. How many countries did you say you care for? 17. How many youth, how many, because you're specifically working for the Adventist Church, although I know that you work uh, with many young people who aren't Adventists too, um, you're not um, exclusively working only for Adventists, but how many Adventist young people would you have in the Pacific that you and your youth leaders care for? It, it would be within the vicinity of 250,000, Lloyd. Five a... years ago it was probably closer to 200,000, but we've seen an incredible upsurge of young people uh, committing their lives to Christ over the last five years. Are young people on the move in the Pacific for Christ? They are very active. They're passionate. They love uh, being involved in the community. Of course, the Pacific, Lloyd, as you would know, it's a very communal context. Yeah. Villages, families, extended families, they work together very well. Um, and so when there's a project on, you know, people turn up in the droves to help out. Yeah, yeah. Is it is it a, is it a big difference to work for young people, say in the Pacific, and then young people in New Zealand, Australia? Or, I think or, or, or the reason I say that, or are young people, young people, all being more or less uh, influenced by the same sorts of things, or, or is it different? I think they are feeding from the same trough. They're, they're feeding from the same well with the internet now, mobile phones, smartphones, uh, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, you know, TikTok, there's a lot of commonality there. The big difference, Lloyd, is that in the Pacific, poverty is a real issue. Yeah. Uh, many of our young people in the Pacific are not employed. So okay. owning things, you know, owning a car is just not happening for young people in the Pacific. Owning a car in Australia and New Zealand, not a problem. But those material possessions just do not, um, they just can't afford them in the, in the Pacific. So, but yes, they are, they are being influenced by the internet dramatically, uh, for good and for bad. Yep. But, uh, certainly Australia and New Zealand enjoy a much better, um, financial situation. Okay, Nick, I think we'll give you a break. You can go and have a drink of water and do whatever, and we'll play a song. And I want to come back, I want to talk about one of the most exciting things I think I've ever seen in 31 years of being an Adventist pastor with you, mate. This is sensational stuff. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I'm very much enjoying this conversation with Nick. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> we really are good mates. 
Um, now, before we go back to Nick, we're giving him a little bit of a break. Yep. Um, we've got the Aussie pasta. What do you call it? The question- Yes, you can ask the Aussie pasta. Ask the Aussie or pasta. Or you can send us your prayer requests. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I'm loving the fact that we're getting more and more questions in for Ask the Aussie Pastor. Me too, because that's it's, the reason we're here. It's fabulous. Yes. And as I say to you, Hunty, I want to go live soon. In other words, taking phone calls from people directly from the community so we don't even have no warning. I'd love that. <laughs> but if you want to ask the Aussie Pastor a question today, we want to encourage you to either yep. text in or um, email in. Now, yes. Hunty's going to give you those details. And we, re- I really want you to do it. Um, and if you've got a prayer request, we haven't been getting many prayer requests. No. And, and if you've got a prayer request and you don't want to put your name to it, just put anonymous. Yep, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray for you. Yeah, we would. Yeah. We would. But we're not getting too many prayer requests. No. But plenty of questions. How do they contact us, mate? Okay, please send your questions to zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email them to us info at aussiepasta dot com. And I keep saying this too. Uh, even if you're hearing a replay of this program, email us or text us because we still get. The prayer requests, we still get the questions and we will answer them at right the next program, right? Right, Hunter? Sure, for sure. So just give us those details one more time. Okay. Uh, text us on 0488 880 or email us info at com. This is Michael Card singing, I will bring you home.
Nick. I hope you enjoyed your break. Now, you're the youth leader in the South Pacific from Tahiti to Western Australia and every island in between, even including the Kiwis. And World Changes Bible comes along. So exciting. Love this. Tell us about it. Sure. Thank you, Lloyd. Uh, like going back to the early days, back before 2010, I would travel through the Pacific and I noticed a lack of Bibles. Uh, I went to Kiribati to do a program and on the, on the Sabbath I met with 400 people at a regional program and I was doing a Bible study at the time on the Song of Solomon and I noticed that a lot of the people did not have a Bible and so after the sermon I ended up saying, how many of you actually have a Bible of your own? And out of those 400 people, less than 20 put their hands up. Wow. And I realized right then, we've got a major problem. If, if, we, if our church members don't have a Bible, how are they going to reach, how are they going to understand the word? How are yeah. they going to access the Bible? So, so I came back to our administration and said, guys, can we raise funds to give Bibles, uh, distribute Bibles through the Pacific? And our administration at the time said, yes, absolutely. So we ended up uh, raising funds. I created a Facebook page uh, with my son. We put all of our friends on it and we yeah. started become making awareness of the World Changes Bible Project needs. So the idea was if you pay $5 donation, that will equip a young person in the, in the Pacific with a Bible and a set of Bible study cards. So that just went viral. We raised over a million dollars. We did the first order, which was 125,000 Bibles. We distributed them through the Pacific. And at that point, I thought it was over. Yep. I thought, oh, great, we've done a good job. That's awesome, fantastic, yep. move on. But the money just kept pouring in by the tens of thousands of dollars. And um, to date, since that started, that was back in 2011, we actually yep. started going public with, with raising funds. But since then, we've raised over $3 million oh. and we've put more than 750,000 Bibles out into the Pacific, which includes Australia and New Zealand as well. That almost makes you want to cry for joy, doesn't it? Well, you know, Lloyd, I would say it's probably one of the most significant things that I've seen in my ministry, and I just yeah. praise God for the, to be able to joy to be able to see that happen. And now we've got young people with their own Bible, hard copy, yeah. in their hands. They can read it, they can pray, they can read the gospel stories, they can find out about Jesus for themselves. Where did you get all those Bibles from? Well, we different companies. Uh, Thomas Nelson did the first run with the uh, New King James. Then we ordered the French Bible from uh, France, the Samur Bible. Then we did another order with uh, company Tyndale, who did um, an order of big Bibles for us at mm-hmm. a very cheap rate. There was yep. a twenty-dollar Bible. We got it for four dollars ninety. Wow! Seventy-five um, percent discount, and we've done several print runs since then. Uh, we're just at the moment. I'm negotiating with another company in Belgium to do another five thousand French Bibles. But yes, it's been an amalgamation of different companies, but uh, mainly Tyndale and Thomas Nelson. And do the Bibles have any Bible studies or come with guides or anything to help the young people, or just just a straight Bible? So what we did was we felt to give somebody a Bible is a good thing. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. But wouldn't it be amazing if we gave somebody a Bible? and put an insert in there to teach them how to share their faith with a friend. Yeah, yeah. And so we actually added a discipleship insert into the front of the Bible, which is about 20 pages long, yep. covering really simple topics like how do you read the Bible, how do you pray, yeah. how do you spend time with God, how do you tell your testimony, how do you explain the gospel. The most simple discipleship tools 
that you could use, we put in the front of this Bible. And that became the unique thing about the World Changes Bible, is that it has a soul-winning component training yeah. package in it. Yeah. We also gave them a series of study guides that go through the main key truths of the Scriptures. Now, these are yeah. still available. If anybody actually wants them, they can contact me. Um, my details, you can find me on Facebook, Nick Cross with a K, uh, and I can send out reading guides that go with them. But basically, this Bible was not just a Bible. It was an evangelistic tool for any young person to share their faith. And we actually gave them a challenge. The challenge was that you only accept this Bible if you pledge to share your faith with a friend in the next 12 months and bring them to Jesus. So wow. so that was what made the Bible Project unique, Lloyd. It's a fantastic thing. It, it just, it, it's still going, is it? Are you, are you telling me it hasn't stopped yet, that you're still going? Yep, we are still in the process. We're rolling them out. I've still got probably another 12,000 sitting in Melbourne uh, in a publishing company there, Science Publishing. Uh, we've got Bibles being printed in, in Belgium for the French territories again. So, yeah, it's still happening. Is it too late to donate to this if you want to, or is it have we moved on, or where's that at? Well, I, I kept thinking we'd moved on, but but we just keep getting more orders for Bibles, and we keep getting more money coming in. So from what I can see, the Lord really wants this to happen, Lloyd. And uh, so absolutely, it's not too late to make donations. How would, the, how would, uh, how can, would someone donate if they wanted to? So there's an app called the e-giving app yep. it's a faith-based app yep. that is designed for people to make donations um, to various different projects and that is one place you can do it or you could also contact the local churches i'll tell you um, what we'll do nick we'll get it up on our web page we'll, we'll get it all there so if you go okay. to our web page aussiepastor.com we'll have all the information there can you get it up it. pretty quickly hunty you yeah, put a link on there. Yep. Yeah, okay. I'm talking about even now. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can get. I could get that sorted out for you um, this afternoon. Yeah. Give you some details we'll, there. We'll do that because I think if people... It's such an exciting project and the fact that it just... Sometimes God doesn't let things go because it's Absolutely. his plan. It's his desire. Absolutely, Lloyd. And what we've seen, Lloyd, is we've seen, we've seen communities transformed. Like one of the initiatives that's happening up in Papua New Guinea right now is where you can trade guns for Bibles. <laughs> and there are tribal warfares happening up in PNG. It's a very dangerous country, Papua it New is. Guinea. Um, and there are, there are rascals up there with homemade weapons. Yep, yep. Um, and there are gangs up there. And so what's happening is in some of these territories where there are tribal fights, our church has been going up there saying, guys, we will actually give you a Bible if you trade in your gun. Does that work? And so I've got photos that I can share with you yeah. of rascals wow. lining up, handing in their shotguns, their pistols, their knives to receive a World Changes Bible, and we're seeing tribal fighting just diminish. That's amazing. A, that is amazing. That's incredible. But I was thinking when you said trading guns for Bibles, maybe that's the answer for the United States. You better take World <laughs> Changes Bible over there, mate. <laughs> oh, it's, look, look. just before we move on, because I, I just want you to give some advice toward the end of this interview to some young people What after 35 years of youth ministry. But before we, we, we go there, I just want to um, go back to the World Changes Bible thing. Do you think that it has made a difference to the 
young people in Australia and New Zealand where perhaps they're a little bit more well off as you said they're driving cars around and um, perhaps even more distractions has it worked here it's definitely been slower but what I've noticed over the last two years in particular there's more and more Australian pastors asking for the world changes Bible there's school chaplains asking for the world changes Bibles uh, we're distributing them into the Pathfinder clubs doing it at camperies we're doing world changer launches and the Australian young people are buying in Lloyd yeah and they're actually sharing their faith with their friends which is really exciting that is exciting because it's not an easy group to necessarily break through to uh, with all the distractions so that, that's fantastic hey what would you oh even before I go on to there if I if we've got some young people listening and they want one of these world changer Bibles can they get one yes absolutely Lloyd I will distribute them I can send them to a church I can send them to individuals what I'd need is the postal addresses um, and the names of the people but yes absolutely so the easy way really would be for them to contact their local Adventist pastor in that town city or, or, yes. or, or village um, or, or, or suburb absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's it you contact your local Adventist pastor and 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 um, he'll get he, he will arrange it if you can't do that hunty what's our email because you can contact us and we'll get them to you too info at aussiepastor.com. So if you contact us at info at aussiepastor.com, we'll get you one too. For sure. Um, yeah, the, the youth directors in each different state of Australia have them. Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, look, it's it's a fabulous thing. Now, you've been youth working, I think it'd be fair to say, even Gunda Windy. So right from the beginning of your ministry, you've been working with young people. It has been where God's called you. Even as a, I used to see it as a church pastor, you were still working with young people. What would you, what advice, because you're talking to Aussies today, what advice would you, one, give parents of young people who want their kids to follow Jesus? And then secondly, so it's a two-point question, what advice would you give? to a young person listening to this program okay so question number one to the parents mm. I think there's no greater opportunity for young people than to get involved in service get involved in ministry mm. if you want your children to understand the gospel mm. as Christian parents get them involved in doing something that Jesus asked them to do. You'll get excited about Jesus when you start doing what he asked you to do. Mm. So you remember what Jesus said in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 17, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Yeah. So what he meant there was if you get involved with me, come and follow me, I'll give you a job to do. And the biggest issue with a lot of young people in Australia and Western countries is that they're under-challenged spiritually. Yeah. The, the gaming has taken over. Uh, the internet's taken over. Get them away from games and the internet for a while. Get them out on a service project like a Stormco trip or even serving in their local community. Then, then they will start to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And, that's, when, you, that's when, when, and when you say Stormco, what that is, is that's a, that's a trip where you might go out to a town with a church group and, and run some programs for the local kids or you might go out and... Is, is that right? That's correct. And most of our big cities, most of our capital cities in Australia actually host Stormco trips out into rural communities where they go out on school holidays and young people get a chance to serve in rural communities. And, and we have a fabulous relationship with many of the rural towns in New South Wales and, and Queensland and Victoria because of our young people going out on Stormco trips. And those trips can change lives just by serving children. 
it's a fantastic opportunity. That's one option, but there's many other options, even in local communities where people can serve. That, get, that will certainly change their life, no question. It only goes for like a week or two, and you can do it during school holidays. And I think the fees around about 100 to 150 dollars, yeah. which is nothing for most Australian families, but uh, it'll change your child's life absolutely. So, I think you have to be 15. Yeah, so to go on that at least fifteen. So yeah, so but no, Stormco's great, but there are other opportunities as well to serve. So regarding the second question, now, now Lloyd, before you go on, so for parents, you're saying get your kids, give them opportunities to serve Jesus. Absolutely, and and yes, get them to. You see, often we see Christianity as a kind of a thing where you go to church. Yeah, and as long as you go to church and the kids are sitting in church, everything's fine. That's not yeah. fine. Yeah, that's teaching children not to be engaged in ministry. Yeah, you actually have to engage young people in ministry away from those church hours on the yeah. weekend. Yeah, they need to be out there doing stuff for Jesus during the week. Okay, right, we've got that. Yep. Second thing. So the second question is, what advice would I give to young people? Mm. My advice to all young people today is that Jesus Christ is your best friend. He knows you really well. He believes in you. He loves you. He died to save you. Um, you can find your joy and your purpose in Christ. Now, there's many other voices talking to young people today, many other people trying to get a young person's attention. Mm. Many of those other voices are not going to end up leading you to eternity. Yeah, yeah. But Jesus Christ will. So invest in him. Lean in towards Jesus Lean in towards your Bible, lean in towards prayer. Ask Jesus to take you on a journey, and he will take you on the most amazing adventure journey that never ends. Yeah, wonderful advice, Nick, um, from many years' experience. You know, when I look back on my youth, the one thing I wish, and I know you can't change your life, but man, I wish I'd known Jesus intimately as my friend earlier. I really do. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, last it's question. never too young to give your life to him. That's the other bit of advice. That's true too, isn't Don't, it? To in, in, ask Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour now. Even if you're five years old, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Ask Jesus to be your Saviour now. Yeah. It, that's, a, that's an interesting concept, that, because in the past we've said, oh, you've got to be such and such an age before you're baptised or you can really know who Jesus is. And yet, Jesus, I, I watch in our adventurers, which is a group four to nine, I think it is, Nick, you can see Jesus working on their hearts, can't you? Absolutely, Lloyd. And, you know, Jesus has made some significant comments about children. Yeah. He said, you know, let the little children come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, there's yeah. something about a child which is very close mm. to the kingdom of heaven, mm-hmm. and we need to recognise the value of the faith of a child. So never think you're too young to serve Jesus. Never think you're too young to give your life to Him. That's right. You're right. Hey, last question, Nick. Um, do you have a vision for the youth of Australia? And if so, what is it? My vision for the youth of Australia is the same as my vision for the youth right throughout the Pacific, Lloyd, mm. and that is that. If you invest your life in Christ, he will turn you into a person of significance, a person of influence. He will take you on a journey that leads into eternity. Mm. And your biggest tragedy would be not to accept his invitation Mm. of eternal life. 
Fabulous, Nick. Uh, thank you so much for so many years of service to the Lord and to the young people of this part of the world. May God continue to bless you. And uh, old man, <laughs> I can say that because we're about the same age, may there be many years of service to Jesus and his young people ahead of you. Thank you, Lord. Great to catch up, mate. And I hope that the Lord continues to bless you too. God bless. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Love that bloke, aren't he? He's a top bloke, eh? He is. Yeah. You know, we've been friends since we were boys. Cool. And uh, he went to college. He was a few years ahead of me, but my first year was his last year. So we were both builders, so we both apprentice carpenters. We yep. both hung around the youth group in Brisbane. He's a few years older than me. Don't say that about many people. About <laughs> that, I don't say that about too many people anymore, Hunty. <laughs> no. But he's a few years older than it's me. Out of trouble. Um, he gets out in ministry before me. He goes to South Queensland. I go to South Queensland. I start working in youth. He's working in youth. You know, it's quite amazing. We work together. We have these big camp meetings. You ever been to one of those camp meetings, Oh, yes. Hunty? Oh, yes. We have a camp meeting in South Queensland where on the Saturday, this we call it the Sabbath, so all the people who belong to churches in South Queensland can come. Yep. So really from Roma down to the Gold Coast up to Rockhampton, that's our territory. It's a Kalanga, right? Kalanga. Kalanga. What did you call it? Kalanga. That's Kalanga. I'm an Aussie. I'm- Kalanga. I've, Kalanga. I've never heard that. Oh, dear. Ever. Kalanga. <laughs> <laughs> Were you actually dropping it there on purpose, or is that what you called it? No, I've always called it Kalanga. Kalanga. Really? Jolly New South <laughs> Wales, guys. Um, anyway, we would have 10,000 people Correct. on the Saturday at that camp meeting. Yep. Nick and I used to look after the teens. We kind of, you know... I used to do production in the Connections tent. Yeah, I can remember you coming up chasing our girls. Yeah, you know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, listeners, it was a very poor effort from him. but <laughs> It was. He, he didn't never, do very well at he all. He never married a Queensland girl, so we are able I to protect I don't think them. I even got a date. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he was an amazing guy to work with. And then when I went into youth work at an official level, what we call a conference. And a conference is a... Is a Conference of Churches. Collection there you of go. Churches. Yeah. yeah. So the conference he worked for was South Queensland, and it was that area I just described to you. You know who I work for? North New Zealand. <laughs> we looked after 5,000 kids, but we worked in youth work together, so we kind of done a lot of things together. We had similar interests, both surfers, um, and, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed talking to him then. Mm, he's a good bloke. Yeah, he is. We might get him back on again later I'd love, on. I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I reckon it might be time yes. for a song, Hunty. I'm thinking that too. What are we looking at? Uh, <sighs> be Renewed. Yes. Do you know these guys? No, but I, I know the song. I, I keep asking Hunty, does he know them? Now, the reason I ask him that, listeners, is because he is big into music. True, Hunty? I love music, yeah. So you actually, you, you know the song, but yep. not the singers. I'm Lordy Asaurus. Okay, it's called Be Renewed from Marty and Tanae Thompson. Take 
song yes be renewed from marty and tanae thompson really enjoyed that one nice there are some we are we do have some nice songs hunty that yep. we're bringing on yep and i like that one very nice um you remember a couple of weeks ago we we're talking about the trinity i do i wanted to follow up quickly on that the trinity is a key fundamental christian doctrine and what it is is this i'll, I'll put it in a really short could you put it in a short sentence hunty what is the Trinity? What would you say? Um, or, or is that, if someone was to ask me, I'd say, well, God the Father and the Holy Spirit, three people, one being. Who are the three? God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Okay. I'd give you six and a half out of ten. Ooh, only six and a half. Well, that's a pretty good mark, isn't take me, it? Take me to school. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Uh, this is how I'd explain it. Yep. Same as you, but I'd be a little bit more forthright. Yep. The Trinity is this. 
one God in three Ooh. equal persons. I like that. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And people say to me, oh, that you can't have that. Well, yes, you can. We have an example of the Trinity here on earth. Do you know that when you get married, it's a Trinity? Yes. Did you okay. actually know that? You have told me before. <laughs> when, when I marry people, I'm a pastor. And yes. I, 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 I'm not a celebrant. I'm a pastor. So I marry people. So when I marry people, they come in and I marry them. Husband becomes wife. Yep. They become one. So two become one. That's not a trinity. But it's more than that. A good right. marriage is husband, wife, and, and God. God. Yep. Trinity. Yep. They are one. Kind of a loose. Sort of a act as one, think as one, decide together. It's it's that's a loose sort of a, a depiction. You wouldn't want to take it too far, to be honest, Humpty. No, but you got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God, three separate persons, one God. We serve only one God. Now, a lot of people say when they argue the Trinity, and there are even in our own Adventist church some pretty strong people out there who argue hard and fierce against the Trinity. Uh, okay, but you don't have a real biblical foundation to stand on. In fact, biblically, the Trinity is there, as we showed in the last, uh, well, a couple of weeks. It wasn't the last one. It was, I think it's two before, Hunty. We've already showed biblically that the Trinity is there in, in, in Genesis chapter 1. But I want to share with you a little story because what they'll say is, oh, Jesus is God, but he's been given that divinity, so it's really God the Father that's God. Yep. Jesus is kind of, it almost seems to me like they're saying that Jesus is some sort of sub-God. Mm-hmm. You know, Came from God. Almost someone that God the Father brought yep. forth from himself yep. and then said, oh, well, I've brought you forth, whatever that means. That to me means created. So I've created you, I've made you, and, and now I'm going to give you the work of going and saving mankind. So it almost seems like God the Father, in, in the anti-Trinitarian Narrative almost seems like they're saying God the Father brought forth Jesus to go and do his dirty work. Exactly. Invested him with divinity to then go and do his dirty work. I don't buy it. No. Jesus is God. Jesus is eternal. He was pre-eternal. In other words, he has always been. He comes to earth. He becomes human as well as God. That's a mystery in itself. And he's post-eternal. In other words, he'll always be eternal. And because he's God, he can be worshipped. Now, you know the Ten Commandments, hunty? Yes. The first commandment, no other gods yeah, before, before me. me. Yep. The second commandment, don't, don't make a graven image. Don't bow down mm, to don't other bow gods. Down. Yeah, I think that's how it goes. I think <clears> it is. <throat> and the third one is don't bow down to graven images. I think, I don't, better be careful yeah. there, haven't we, auntie? We don't yes. have the Bible. I did teach my kids the Ten Commandments, and I do know it if I stopped and really think about it. Anyway, um, don't worship any other God other than God. Get that in your head. That's in the commandments of God given to Moses. Don't worship any other God. Don't worship any other God but God. Yep. Now watch this little story. It's just a little story, auntie, okay. that illustrates the divinity, the Godhead of Jesus Christ. Jesus is Yahweh. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the King of the Kings, the Lord of the Lords. Jesus is God. Watch this. Uh, actually, you want me to give you a quick context? Okay. Jesus has died. Yep. He's resurrected. Yep. He's shown himself to the disciples. Imagine that. Yeah, no. Remember that movie Resurrection we watched together? The yes. The first moment the disciples saw Jesus. I cried watching the movie. Wow. Because I could just imagine what it would have been like knowing that you'd lost your master Jesus and all of a sudden he's resurrected. Yeah. Very powerful moving moment. Yes. But there was one disciple not there. That's right. Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. You know what they call Thomas? Didymus. 
Doubting Doubting Thomas. Thomas. Have you ever heard that before? I have. Doubt- That's because he's a doubt. So disciples come in and say, Jesus is risen, Jesus is risen, and he goes, oh, nah, yeah, don't believe that. Nah. Come on, Jesus, no, don't believe it. Yeah. So this is what happens. Yeah. One of the best stories. In the- it's a beauty. It is a beauty. Yep. Okay, let's have a look at it. John, John chapter 20, 20. verse 24, yep. and I think we'll read from the NLT. You got okay. that, mate? Yep, yep, yep. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Don't you love it? He's still, that's why he's doubting Thomas. He's doubting Thomas. I'm doubting Lloyd. I think you're doubting Andrew. We, we all doubt, don't we, at course, times, about the reality uh, of God. And Thomas is doubting. He says, look, if, if Jesus is alive, I've got to touch those nail scars in his hands and in his feet and in his sight. Okay. Hmm. Jesus is God. He knows what's going on in Thomas's head. Yep. In Thomas's mind. Yep. Watch this. Go for it, Hunty. Verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. So this time Jesus turns up yep. after the resurrection, and Thomas is there. Wow. Yes. I don't think we get a sense of the enormity of Jesus turning up to the disciples after the resurrection. I mean, it blows me away that the, that the Romans put guards around his tomb and soldiers there to ensure there's no way the Jews could get away with a scam. But and the, yet... The disciples get away with a scam. That's right. And yet... There he is. Well, there's no scam in it, was there? No. Gabriel comes down. The stones rolled away. Uh, yep. Jesus comes out in power and glory. The soldiers fall down as though they're dead. Yep. Jesus is resurrected. But he didn't go and stay with the disciples. He appeared to them and then he'd go. He'd appear to them and then he'd go. Yep. This time he appears again. This is a momentous thing. Jesus is here and Thomas is there. Yep. Now, Jesus is God. He knows what Thomas has been thinking. Correct. What happens? Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. So Thomas does it. it. He feels the scars in his hands. He sees the scar on his side with a soldier thrust. That to me is quite amazing actually. When we get to heaven, you've got to remember Jesus is resurrected in his Eternal body. This yep. is he's still shrouded. He's still uh, uh, um, cloaking his his full divinity, or, or the whole world to drop dead as he walks because yep. he, he shines it's brighter bright. than the sun. Yep. So he comes there, and here's Jesus in his new body that he'll have for eternity. He still has scars in his hands and in his feet yep. and in his sight. And you know what? I'm going to do a Thomas when we get to heaven, Auntie. I am. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to go up. I'm going to sit next to Jesus, and I'm going to open up his hands, and I'm going to feel the scars, wow. and I'm going to say thank you. Yeah. Because a sinner like me, i got no chance other than yep. what Jesus did up there on that cross yep. when he took my sins. It's a big deal. Now, I want you to see, and I want you to notice this. Just read verse 28 and slow, hunty. Not 29 as well? No, just verse 28, because oh. this is what, this is what, Gee, Thomas, he feels the scars in Jesus' hands and in his side and probably his feet. Thomas and, said to him, uh, 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 "This is what he said. Uh-huh. Don't don't rush me. Don't rush you. This is a big moment. It is a big moment. This is what he said. Verse yep. twenty-eight. Yep. Thomas said to him, "My Lord 
and my God. He worships him. Absolutely. And he acknowledges that Jesus is God. Now I can give you another story in Revelation where Gabriel, the head angel of heaven, turns up to John who wrote the book of Revelation. And John's blown away when this mighty angel turns up and he falls down on his face in worship to the angel. And the angel grabs him and pulls him up and says, oh, please, please, John, don't worship me. I'm just a fellow servant of yours in Jesus Christ. Yep. So here's this huge angel who said, don't worship me. Here's Thomas, he's worshipping Jesus. Mm -hmm. He's just called him, my Lord, Lord, my God. My God. Can it be clearer? No. What's Jesus do? Because he acts opposite to what Gabriel did with John. You mean verse 29? Yep. It's my favourite text. One you of like my favourite texts. Oh, I do. Oh, okay. Then Jesus Is that why you wanted to read him, it? Because oh, I love it so much. <laughs> yep. The last part of it. Yep. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Believe what? That I exist and that I died for you. And that I am? I am the resurrection and the life. And I am God. Yep. I am God. Yep. He saw Jesus. He believed he'd been resurrected. He believed he was the saviour. And he believed he was God. God. Yep. He worshipped him. Yep. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Thomas, because you saw me. But a special blessing for those who never saw me, that's you and me, hunty. Yep. Because they believe I'm resurrected. Love that. They believe I'm God. And that's you and me, mate. And I hope it's our listeners. Mm. We believe in Jesus, the great God of not just this earth, but the entire universe. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Okay, Hunty, I think it's time for another song. Great idea. Seems to be doing a lot of talking today. <laughs> it's been good. <laughs> More than normal. <laughs> what song are we going to sing? Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Yes. From Marion Blythe Peppers. Now you talk about favourite verses. This is one of my favourite songs. Cool. Well, one of my favourite hymns. You know what the pastor gets to choose the songs on Sabbath? Yes. Well, not all of them at New Hope. I get to choose. at least the end one. Yeah, the end one. And because I'm the senior pastor, any other one I want. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But the reality is I let the music. Look, the musicians, that's their job. that's their job. But I like the end one. And and I don't know whether you remember, Hunty, but often I choose this one. Yes. It's a beautiful song. Come thou fount of every blessing. I don't know this version from Marlon Blythe Peppers. I bet it's a nice one, though.
that uh, song, Here's My Heart, I think this is why I like it. Here's my heart, Jesus. Take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. I think what the song was saying, Here's my heart, Jesus. You take it and keep it until you get me to heaven above. Nice. I really love that. And yeah, I, I want to be ready for Jesus when he comes. And I know that yep. the only way I can do that is by accepting him as my saviour and what he's done for me. Hey, Hunty? Yep. I think this is probably your favourite time of yep. the day. Ask the Aussie pastor. But not mine. <laughs> You're in the hot seat. <laughs> yeah, I am a little bit. But look, let's have a go at this. Ask the Aussie pastor. And by the way, if you've got any questions, you just text them into yeah, us. Please send them to us. We love your questions. It allows us to keep our program relevant to what our listeners questions are and what they're thinking about. It's kind so of please, fresh and challenging yeah, too, isn't please it? Please send us your questions. We Where, love how it. do you send them? You text them to... You can text us on 0488. 048. Hunty and I have a discussion on that, don't we? Yeah. Is it zero or is it O? I'm getting away with both. It's zero. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one or info at aussiepastor.com. So send us your prayer requests and your questions. We'd love to have them. Yeah, and you don't, uh, I keep saying this, it doesn't matter when you send them. That's right. We'll get them online. We get we'll, this 24 hours a day, these, these messages. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we'll get your question right. or your prayer request up. That is a promise from the Aussie pastor true. and his sidekick, Andrew That's Hunt. That's right. Okay, bro. All right, first question, punctuation and the wording's a bit tricky, but I'll give it to you as it's written. What is glorification? In a twinkling, will we in perfection lose our freedom of choice and be unable to sin again? From Lance. Yes, from Lance. Okay, um, what he's saying there is when Jesus comes, yep. it's beautiful, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one to 55, I know this. When Jesus comes, I can't wait for this. He's going to change us in an instant, hunty. Yep. Now here's me. I broke my nose seven times. Did you know that? I can see it. <laughs> you don't have Our to. Our listeners are on radio and I'm sitting here. <laughs> I broke my nose seven times. Yep. I've had a full knee replacement. Do you know I will never live again without some pain in my knee? Oh. I've had my ankle reconstructed. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yes, I have. I've had muscles pulled out of the bottom of my foot because my entire, the entire tendon that holds your foot together and stops you going sideways, you know, it was gone from playing rugby league <laughs> or basketball. One or the other right. and so they took the muscle and put it up over there uh, you know so my foot will stay solid and I can walk I've got all these injuries I got you know my dog bit me you know that I story do, I do know that just one. after I had a knee replacement my dog bit That's me right. and now I've got arthritis in my thumb he never meant to bite me he was horrified he bit me he got caught in a fight and I'm separating them That's right. so I've got all these aches and pains when Jesus comes in an instant in the twinkling yep. of an eye he will change me yep. I've always struggled with my weight all of a sudden, I'll look like I never dreamed. That's it. Sinless, perfect, pain-free. ready for eternity, entirely pain-free. My mind, but with a brand new body. Now, That's honey, yes. when we get to heaven, you will still recognise me and I will recognise you. So obviously, there are going to be some features yep. that we will hold. Yep. But it is a brand new body. That's called glorification. Okay. Are you with me? got it. He's saying, when we become perfect, when we become glorified, yep. we'll, and it's not just our bodies that change, it's our nature. At the moment, Andrew Hunt, yep. Lloyd Grolleman, we have a bend to sin, true? Sure, sure do. We do. It's sin. natural. It's our default position. Yep. When Jesus comes, that will change. 
Correct. So we have chosen Jesus, we are overcoming through Christ, but we still have that default, it's called a sinful nature. But when Jesus comes, that changes. And our default nature when we get to heaven is want to do God's way naturally. You like that? Yeah, I do like that. So he's saying when we change, does that mean we no longer have a choice to sin or not to sin? Mm -hmm. Well, actually, no. God very clearly has created us as beings of choice. Yep. Even when we get to heaven, we could rebel if we want to. But tell me this, Hunty. Yep. If... You know those, I'll give you the most graphic example I can. You know those, what do they call those things that chop up the wood? Mulches. Are they big mulches? You know, you can put tree branches oh, in. Yeah, mulches, yeah. yeah fantastic things. Huh? I've yep. always wanted to have a go at one of them. Yep. If I got you on one of them and put your left leg in it and mulched your leg up <laughs> to the hip. Yes. And you almost die and you lose a whole heap of blood and you go to hospital and you just survive. Yep. Now, you're a man of choice. Are you going to come back to work for me and say, oh, can you do the right leg now? Gotcha. Are you going to do that? That's gold. It was painful. It hurt. Yes. It almost killed you. We right. are in pain on this planet. We are. It hurts. Yep. We are going through the struggles of it, and each of us is going to face, if Jesus doesn't come soon, we're going to face death. Oh, wood chipper, well, that's what it's called. That's a wood chipper, yeah. Mm. We're going <laughs> to—that's Hunty's mind working a million miles an hour. We're yes. going to face death. Yep. Do you think when we get to heaven and we're in paradise and we're living pain-free and we're going through the most wonderful worship experiences with Christ, listening to the greatest of all preachers, Jesus Himself, you think we're going to want to sin and rebel? Man, of all the people, of all the beings in the universe, and I reckon there's a whole lot of them, we will be the last ones who want to put our our right leg in the wood chipper that's, and go through that again. That's fantastic. Just not going to happen. I like. We would never choose that. We've got freedom to do it. We never would. You know what? Nor would the rest of the universe because they've been watching what we've gone through. True, true, true. So, yeah, that's how I'd answer this. Love it. Thanks, Pastor. All right. Next question is from Vanessa. What do you think that Jesus is saying here? You quote this to me all the time. Matthew 8, 21. This is one of Hunty's quota texts. You do. You quote this. (laughs) I I want to get you to answer this. (laughs) Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, follow me, and let the dead bury their own dead. Kind of sounds harsh to start off with. Yes. But I think what Jesus is saying, hey, concentrate on those who are alive. Yes. They're still in the battle. Yes. They're still to make a decision for me. It really yes. matters. I think he's really just saying there, make sure that your entire attention is focused on advancing my cause yep. to this lost world. And you know what? That's a lesson us Christians can learn. Absolutely. We get caught up in everything. We do. We're buying our houses. I'm talking Australia now. We're investing in the stock market. We're buying our holiday houses. We've got our beautiful cars. Well, we don't, hunty, but a lot of people <laughs> do. Oh, we're doing okay, though. The Lord's sure. blessed us. Um, we're living in our nice, you know, you know we've just got the good life here and we're putting our roots deep into this in, in, into the soil of this earth and Jesus said don't do it concentrate on my work on advancing my cause that's what really matters that's how I see that listeners let me tell you why I say let the dead bury their dead Pastor Lloyd gets requests almost daily to contact to conduct funerals 
And we've got work to do. We've got filming to do. We've got radio programs to do. And so I You'll get yourself into trouble here. I, I jokingly say. <laughs> You'll get into trouble. I'm not saying it. There's that line. The next question. Hunty's about to go over that no, line. Next question from Vinny. <laughs> um, dear Aussie and, and by the way, before we go on, the Aussie pass is happy to do funerals. Of course he is. Yeah. I'm only staring. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one's from Vinny. Dear Aussie pastor, how does the Bible see the feminine and environmental movements these days and the social agenda of these movements? Oh, oh that, that's a pretty toey question, isn't that it? one, isn't it? Vinny. Mm. Thank you, Vinny. Thank you, Vinny. Um, oh, look, I, I wouldn't think... I, I think God's all for treating women with respect and honour, and I... And both Hunty and I practice that in our own homes. Yep. Our, our women, our wives are co-equal partners, partners yep. for us in our lives. We don't, we try to be good husbands. Yep. I, I, look, we fall down sometimes, but we try to be good husbands. Yep. Uh, the feminist movement, though, I think probably doesn't reflect that sort of, um, equality approach. Yeah. So how do I see it? Well, look, I don't know a lot about the feminist movement because, I, look, I've got two daughters. I've got a wife. I've got a mother. I've got an auntie. I've got aunties and cousins who are female. I'm surrounded by women. My church has more women in it than men. I see them as a great value, hunty. I support women in ministry. So do I. For what so does our church. Well, you, yeah, okay. Um, I, I support... I support women and I support their equality. Do I support the feminist movement? From afar, it just seems to be some sort of radical, left-wing, um, aggressive movement that probably doesn't reflect either my values or the values that I see in the Bible. That's my short answer mm-hmm, to that mm-hmm. without knowing a whole lot. Next question. Uh, dear Aussie Pastor, my friends are telling me that the Bible is inspired and inerrant. Yeah. But I've been told that a literal inspiration is not part of the SDA faith. Is that true? And if so, what is the biblical principles taught from Terence? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I think what he's saying there is that a lot of people say the Bible is a, uh, a God directly uh, inspired every single word. And that's not how it works. What happened was the prophets who wrote the Bible get a message from God. Yep. Very clear message. Oh, remember, these are born again men. And it yep. was men. Yep. 39 men wrote the Bible. No women, all men. Uh, why? Well, that's one of those questions we can ask God when we get to heaven. There's plenty of stories and examples of women in the Bible who do mighty things, though. Um, the way it worked is this. God would give them, say, a vision. They would write down that vision under very deep influence of the Holy Spirit, but it would be their words, it would be their statements, it would be their phrases, be their way of That's looking at it. Yeah, their culture was in it too. Yep. So it was inspired, it was deeply and heavily inspired, but it was their words. It's a mixture of the human and the divine, and that's how the Bible is written. But there are examples in the Bible where God is actually uh, dictating word for word, and the Ten Commandments is an example of that. Another story in Daniel where where God writes on the wall. There are a few examples in the Bible. In the Old Testament, there are times where God dictates to his prophets and says, basically, write this down word for word. But generally, the Bible is written by men who are inspired by God, but sharing the message God has given them in their words, their language, yep. their phrases, you know, yep. from their mind. Yep. Yep. Okay, this next question seems to be almost a follow-on from that. Um, I've heard a number of Christian commentators saying that the King James Bible is the only true translation that we have. 
that remains largely uncorrupted by revisionists throughout history. I find the King James Bible difficult to read, so I just wanted to know what your take is on which is the best Bible version to use, and I'm not getting the full or true picture by using newer versions. Uh, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. Yep. If you want to hear God, you better be reading a Bible that you understand. I, too, struggle with the KJV. I have a degree Same. in theology. Same. Go and read the Bible. Go and read the Bible. Um, go and read the KJV and read the book of Hebrews and see how you go. Very, very difficult. And then go to a new version and see how you go. A lot easier. Like, you know, and God speaks to us in our language. So, yeah, look, unashamedly, love the KJV, beautifully put together, very poetic, just a, a beautiful work. Uh, but it's not the only Bible you can use. You can use any Bible translation you like, as long as it's a translation. Be very careful of what I call the paraphrases. Paraphrases done by one guy. I can give you some examples of paraphrase. Good News Bible is a paraphrase. There's an Adventist guy, Jack Blanco, who did, he did what's called an expanded paraphrase. Be very, very careful of them. The clear word. Um, and uh, so he would, he would, um, translate it how he thought it went and then add stuff to it. Do I like that? Yeah, it's a devotional book. I like it, but I wouldn't take too much notice of, of it as a Bible, as a, as a text of authority. Um, I'm just trying to think of um, some of the other paraphrases out there. Um, there's a good news. There's Jack Blanco's The the um, Clear Word. There's another big one. I just can't think of it at the moment. Um, done by... Anyway, it doesn't matter. You kind of get the feel. Yep. A translation is a Bible that's done by... A uh, whole heap Multiple of scholars, scholars from all yeah. sorts of religions. Yep. You get away with nothing in a translation. Right. And by the way, the new translations actually come from the older manuscripts. Correct. In the last hundred years, we've found uh, manuscripts that are older than the manuscripts that use with for the KJV, and so that's what the new versions come from. They're actually actually more accurate even than the KJV, and the KJV is accurate. Here's a big deal, though, Hunty, and it is a big deal. God has protected the Bible. He's protected. He's protected the Bible. Big. Big time. And so there are literally incidental differences between the KJV and the newer version. You can trust the Bible. You can trust the versions. God has protected his word in a very special and powerful way. Is that it, Auntie? That's the last question, yep. No more questions. Not today. Ah, Okay, we got through it. We did. Ah, Praise the Lord. Keep those questions coming in. I love this segment. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. As I said, Hunty, feels like I'm doing a lot of talking today, more yes, than more yes. than normal. <laughs> yes, well, we um, we often have three interviews, and today, today we, we had, only had two. Is that what it is? That's so you're you're getting a little more opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, I'm asking the questions and and listen to the answers. This time, I'm kind of doing a bit more. Yeah, I'm only sitting here frantically trying to wind you up. <laughs> <laughs> the Forbes family, another beautiful song. Lord, stay near me. With angels ascending to heaven someday.
to me by the Forbes family and that's a good prayer isn't it Lord yep. stay near to me we're going to do a fast Bible study today <laughs> another one hunty yep you know I know I've been talking a lot because my voice is starting to crack up uh-huh. a little bit it's like preaching a big long sermon um, you remember last time we're looking at and this is beautiful Bible study and kind of coming to the end of this little series yep. where there's a war in heaven Satan comes down unfortunately he loses that war in heaven takes a third of the angels with him comes down to earth remember this yes he tempts Adam and Eve they follow him oh what a disaster mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sins plunged into the world Jesus comes looking for Adam and Eve just after they've sinned he's walking in the garden and uh he sees them and he gives them a promise. He says, you've sinned, you've fallen, and this earth, is, and you, you're going to all go through a lot of pain. But he says, I promise I'll come and get you. And then he says to Satan, and I'm going to get you too. You're going to bite me on the heel, but I'm going to bang you on the head. Mm-hmm. It's a great prophecy, talking about the cross. And then he sees, and we missed it. A lot of people miss this, and we looked at this last week, how he sees Adam and Eve naked. And you remember he clothes them? Clothes them with animal skins. skins. And we looked at how that was the first example of what Jesus was going to do to save the human race. Well, today we're going to look at that a little bit more deeply. What does it mean to be clothed by Jesus? Because when you sin, you are naked, you are ashamed. Um, it's, it's an awful experience and God sees you naked and ashamed and he comes and the first thing he does is clothes you. He takes away your nakedness and he takes away your shame. I love that about yep, Jesus. This is a fantastic Bible study. I've experienced it myself. We are going to go through this faster than we've ever gone through this study before, Hunty. Okay. Here's an Old Testament prophecy that very and clearly and powerfully describes what I'm talking about. Let's go for it. It's a, it's, it's a prophecy from a prophet called Zechariah, yep. and he's in vision, and he's seeing a guy by the name of Joshua, who's a high priest, the head pastor of Israel at the time. Yep. You with me? I am. Go, hunty, verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. That's us. The angel of the Lord in the Bible is Jesus. Yep. So here you have Joshua, who's a high priest representing you and me. On one side he's got Jesus, and on the other side he's got Satan. Yep. Isn't that you and me, hunty? That's how it is today. Jesus in one ear, Satan in the other. Yep. Watch yep. this, verse 2. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. 
The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Love it. Even before Joshua looks at Jesus, even before you look at Jesus, Jesus is rebuking Satan yep. for tempting you, for hurting you and yep. causing you so much pain. Nice. So, Hunty, when the Lord is on your side, yep. he looks at the devil and he says, I rebuke you, Satan, for the pain, the temptation, the trial and the failures of Hunty's life. Mm. I rebuke you, Satan. Joshua hasn't even made a move toward Jesus yet. And here he is rebuking Satan on Joshua's behalf, and he does the same for you today. Love it, love it, love it. Keep going, brother. Verse 3. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. Okay, what are these filthy clothes? That's our sins. Hmm. Our errors. I'm going to give you 5 out of 10. Our nature. It is our sins, it is our errors, it is our nature. I'm giving you five out of ten. Only five. Yeah. Now, here's why. I okay. love I love giving those marks to Humpty. I won't tell right. you what sort of marks he gives me. It's often lower than five. So, filthy clothes, what are they? Isaiah 64, 6. I'm going to read it for yep. you, Hunty. I'm going to read this. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. We are all infected and impure with sin. Remember, we yep. looked at this text Sinful last natures. week. Yep. When we display our righteous deeds... They are nothing but filthy rags. That's Isaiah 64, 6. The filthy rags that Joshua is in is him. Yep. It's his good deeds and his bad Bad deeds. deeds. And Jesus is saying, hey, if you think you're going to get to heaven by being good, you can forget Forget that, man. It's not going to happen. Keep going, verse 4. Okay. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Take off his clothes take off who he is. Keep going. Right. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments That's on you. That's what Jesus does to you, Hunty. He takes off the garment that is you, and he puts a new garment on. Keep going. Verse 5. Then I said, Put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him. While the angel of the Lord stood by. So here he is. He gets dressed from the head down yep. to the feet in new yep. garments. Yep. What are these new garments? Uh-huh. That's the question. People say to me, how do you get to heaven? I say, well, the answer's in this little story in Zechariah 3. You get to heaven by putting on new clothes. Yep. That's the answer, hunty. You get to heaven by putting on new clothes. Never forget that, listeners. If anyone ever says, says to you, how do you get to heaven? Well, you get to heaven by putting on new clothes. New clothes, yep. It's that simple. What are these new clothes? That's the key to this Bible study. I'm going to read you a text, hunty. Cool. We looked at this last week, and we're kind of bringing it all into context now. Isaiah chapter 61, Isaiah 61 verse 10. Listen to this. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a, and draped me in a robe of his righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for a wedding or a bride with her jewels. Nice. This garment... Jesus takes off who you are, yep. your filthy rags, your sins, and even the good stuff. Good stuff can't get you to heaven. Takes it all off, and he gives you a new robe. This robe is Jesus. Remember this last week? Mm, absolutely. It's his righteousness. His righteousness yeah. It's his perfection. It's his goodness. It's Jesus, so that when God looks at you, hunty, yep. now I know you well and you know me well. Yep. Am, I, am I a sinner? Are we both? We're, we're sinners. Totally. We struggle. Now, we are overcomers, but we struggle. So we, uh, do we do good things? We're saved by grace. We do good things. Yeah. We do bad things. Yep. We are human. 
We cannot get ourselves to heaven. That's right. But when we come to Jesus and we ask him into our hearts, we repent of our sins, he takes off who we are and he puts himself yep. on us. Yep. You know what that means? It means when God the Father, Hunty, yep. looks at you, he sees yep. who? Jesus. He sees who? Jesus' righteousness. He sees Jesus, just like you said. Yep. And when he sees Jesus, he says, oh, Hunty is perfect. Is he really? No. Nope. Who's God the Father seeing? He's seeing Jesus. Jesus. That's how Jesus is your saviour. Yep. He's seeing Jesus. And the Father says, Hunty, welcome to heaven, mate. I'm so glad to invite you in. And you go into heaven on the back of Jesus' righteousness, perfection, and works. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's how you get to heaven. Love it. And you know how you get this new robe on? All you do is go to pray. I'm going to pray that prayer in a minute. All you got to do is ask Jesus, and he will put on that beautiful new robe, and the moment he puts it on, you're ready for heaven. Remember the thief on the cross? Yep. Dirty, mm-hmm. dog-down mm-hmm. sinner. Mm-hmm. Bad, bad man. And he looks across at Jesus and he says, Jesus, will you remember me when you set up your kingdom? Yep. He had no righteousness of his own, and Jesus no. looked across at him and said, No good works. Yep. He said, I promise you today, my friend, when I come in my kingdom, you will be there. See, the moment he prayed that, that man had the robe of Jesus' righteousness put on, a thief being executed for his crimes, and he was ready for heaven. And you can have that experience too if you choose. When Jesus comes and you hear the midnight cry, you will be ready to be translated forever because you've got on. His robe of righteousness. So
I see prophecies fulfilled And signs of the times They're appearing everywhere I can almost hear the Father As He says, Son, give your cheer I'm going to talk to you about what happens after you pray that prayer of repentance and Jesus puts that robe of righteousness on you. It's the most powerful experience available to human beings today. But this week, I just want to challenge you with this. Pray this prayer that we're about to pray morning and night, asking Jesus to put his robe of his righteousness around you so that you can live for eternity. Let's pray it. This is how I pray it. You pray something similar. Dear Lord Jesus, we come before you and I repent. I repent of my sins. I repent of the life that I have had. And I ask you, Jesus, to put your robe of righteousness around me. I believe as I pray that that you have done it and I thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. You pray that prayer, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that instantly you are in a saved condition and like the thief on the cross, you are ready for heaven. My name's Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor and I love you. It's why we do this program. I love you so much. But Jesus, the great God of heaven, who puts that robe of righteousness around us. He loves us so much more. He loves you so much more. See you next week.
Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 